Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Uh, welcome. You're here for part one of a brand new series called Soul Detox. I've been thinking about this series for a while, and I actually had it shelved for a little bit down the road, but I decided to do it because of, of just some things that have been going on, some cool you know, things that were orchestrated. And so I thought, let's jump into this series called Soul Detox. Now, real quick, has anybody ever done a, a detox, a body cleanse, a juice detox? Notice that the, that the hands are all like... <laughs> Nobody was like, yeah, I just did one. I, listen, if you've ever done one of these, they're awful. They're not fun. I tried. I've done one before. It was, it was a few years ago. Now, I fast. We do fasting every year at this church even. And so this is a little bit different. This is where, because I've done it once, and it was, it was a few years ago. It's where my wife juices beets and carrots and all kinds of gross things that I don't normally even want to eat, whether in raw form or liquid form. And what you do is, is that you can't eat anything for three days. And for three days, you got to take a juice. It's like three juices a day, maybe a fourth one if you're lucky. And then I'm telling you what, I learned this too. Just put an apple in everything and it just takes the edge off because beets are gross, right? Um, Why couldn't God make beets taste like bacon then we would all be healthier, right? So I'll talk to God when I get there. We'll, I'll see if I can work something out. But, but what you do is you take these juices because in your body, I don't know if you know this or not, if you, I'm married to a health nut. I'm married to queen organic and super just healthy person. And we, my kids eat kale chips, that kind of thing, you know? And so, uh, yeah, uh, sorry, uh, don't call... Don't call child protective services, please. It's just, it's just kale chips. That's the worst of it. And so, um, but, but, you know, I have the healthy wife and so she gets me to do this cleanse and I, tr- I tried to do one this week and I got through one day and then I quit um, because I just thought to myself, it's just, it's just not worth it. And so, um, but in your body, there's toxins, right? If you're a health person, you know this, if you study up on this, so there's toxins. You get toxins in your body from the water that you drink, the types of foods that you eat, and the worse you eat, the worse it is. This is why Taco Bell got in trouble, because they don't sell meat, they sell a meat substance. You're you hearing me? There are toxins and chemicals in, in the products you use, and the stuff you put in your hair, and the stuff you put on your skin. There's toxins in the air, you know what I'm talking about? Like, this is the regular toxic level of the air, and what you breathe in, and so your body is constantly collecting toxins, right? That's just, that's just, we live in a world with toxic stuff around. It's just the, and toxins are just like the little poisonous things in our body and they're not going to kill us necessarily, but, but they harm our body. Your body actually even releases some of these toxins. This is why when you are uh, incredibly afraid, when you have a moment where you are afraid or fear or worry is, is, is constantly consuming your thoughts and emotions, your body releases some of these toxic chemicals and that's just stuff that's going on inside of you even. And so your body has toxins. And so these doctors come out and say, eat beets and drink beet juice and drink all this gross stuff. And if you do this for three days and just drink a lot of water and you don't eat anything, what happens is, is your, your digestive system shuts down and then all these juices basically cleanse your liver and flood out your system. And it, I don't want to get into the gross aspects of it, but you're supposed to be cleaner at the end. If you do the three days, if you do one day, you you get not that clean. So I tell you all this because this series is just like that. 
But instead of us drinking beet juice, we're going to do something different because here's what I need you to know is that not only does your body collect toxins just by living in this world, your soul has been collecting some toxins. I'll I'll prove it to you. Have you ever been through like a a moment in in life where you're like, why did I do that? What made me say that? Why did I respond that way? Why, why is it that when they did that, that made me feel so weird on the inside? Why is it that I go through seasons of life where I just feel weird and I feel empty or I feel lonely or I feel depressed? Where do these things come from? Why is it that I feel like there's demons in my closet and demons from my past coming back to haunt me? Where do all these thoughts and feelings come from? And I'm going to tell you that they are the toxins of your soul. Listen to what David said in Psalms 42 verse 5. He said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? He's talking to, so he's recognizing. Have you ever just felt like that? Like something's wrong on the inside. Something's not whole. Something's missing. Something's not the way that it ought to be. And I'm just telling you that what we're going to do over these next few weeks, and we're going to try to unpack the beginning today, is this kind of a soul detox. Now, here's, here's what you need to know as we talk about the soul, because we need to define what the soul is. Sometimes we just kind of throw it out there in the Bible. Sometimes there's overlap between your heart, and your spirit, and your soul, and your, all this stuff, and there's a little bit. But let me, let me define it for you like this. You are a spirit. You have a soul, and you live in a body. You are spirit, soul, and body. You are three different things. Does that make sense? I'll, 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 let me put it like this. God is three and one and one and three, right? He is Father, Son, and Spirit. That's what the Bible teaches. And the Bible says that you are made in the image and likeness of God. So not only is God three and one and one three, you're three and one. And you're one and three. You, you got three parts going on. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Can we just say that together? And if you don't believe me yet, just humor me and just go along with it. Everybody say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Let, let's, let's just unpack this. So your spirit, the Bible talks about you having a spirit. The spirit is just kind of the essence of you, right? That's just who you are. You, you are a you. At the core of you, there's a you. There's an essence. There's a, there's a thing that makes you you. That's you. That's your spirit. And the Bible says that your spirit is what actually connects you to God. So in some ways, the Bible talks about your spirit either being alive or dead, asleep or awoken, depending on your faith in God, that something happens when you come to the awareness of God and put your full trust and faith in him, that something awakens within you. And if you've ever had this this moment in your history, and most of you probably have, where you're like, that's when I knew God. That's when God found me. That's when I found Jesus. By the way, Jesus was never lost. You were lost. He found you, just to make that clear. But whenever you came to that awareness of God, and that something, did did you ever have that moment where you felt like something came alive? Live on the inside of you. That's what this moment was. And so you are a spirit. You have a soul, though. You're not a soul. You have a soul. And I'll tell you what the soul is. The soul is made up of your mind, right? Your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, and then your will, your ability to choose and make decisions. Now, the reason why I think these things are distinct is not only does the Bible kind of lay out these things differently, when you, when you really look at it, how many know like you have feelings, right? Just nod and smile. You're right. I'm not the only one that had a feeling. Okay. I just can't fight that feeling anymore. You have a feeling. Okay. But you are not your feelings. And I'll prove it to you. Because you used to feel one way. And you changed. And now you feel differently. 
So you are not your feelings, because your feelings are something you have. They can change, they can come and go. Your, your mind, you are not your thoughts, right? Because when you were younger, you used to think a certain way, and you got older, you're like, now nah, I was dumb, now I think differently, right? I hope you did that. If you still think like you did when you were 12, something's wrong, right? So your thought, you changed your thoughts, right? Even, even your decisions. I remember I had this professor, he said something to me one time. He goes, you are the culmination of all your choices. And I didn't know if I liked it, and I didn't know why, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. It took me a while before I figured out, and that's not true. That's not, I'm not the full culmination of all. Now, my path, my, my outcomes, they, they're the byproduct of all my decisions. But me, I'm not the product of them. I'll prove it to you. When Jesus died on the cross, there were two men hanging next to them. Both of them terrible criminals, so bad that Rome deemed it necessary to put them on a cross and torture them for a while. One of them mocked Jesus. The other one turns to Jesus and asks for forgiveness. And Jesus says, today, you'll be in, with me in paradise so this man the culmination of his life was that he ought to die with a painful execution on a roman cross but in one decision his entire life and eternity has changed so was he the culmination no he i'll tell you what he was his eternity was the culmination of one incredible decision that he made and the reason why you like this idea that you are not your decisions is because most of us would feel really bad right now if we thought our life is just the culmination of our decisions because we would just sit there and think about all the poor decisions the bad choices that we've ever made in life and we think man i'm jacked up so you you are not your thoughts. You just have thoughts. You are not your feelings. You change your feelings. They come and go. And you are not even the byproduct of your decisions. But there is one incredible decision that could alter eternity. And then lastly, everybody say body. Yeah, you live in a body. Okay? Now, let, let's, let's talk about this a little bit more. You, this is your earth suit. This is what just connects you to the earth. When you were born, God did something where he gave you life and breath and there was spirit. And, but you came out in a, in a body. And that's what connects you. Your spirit is what connects you to God. Your soul is what connects you to people. How do you think you engage with other people? With your thoughts and your feelings, right? That's how you connect to people. Your body connects you to the earth. If not, you would just float away, far, far away, right? So this is why you, you're, you're triune. You're, this is how this works too. If your spirit is alive and, a, and awakened to God, the Bible talks about your spirit being led by his spirit. And this is what you really want in life. This is where, this is where abundant life really is. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Is this too much? You're tracking, good. So, so your spirit, listen, what you want to do is live a spirit-led life. But most of us don't. Most of us are driven either by the needs of our soul or by the cravings of our body. See, your soul has certain needs and it's always driven to get those needs met. And if you keep driving yourself and do, this is why we make decisions. We're like, why did I do that? Because you were trying to get a need met. Some of you do things. You're like, why did I do that? It's because you just responded to the natural cravings of your body. Because here's what you need to know. The Bible teaches you that you were born sinful, right? This is why you didn't have to teach your little kids how to sin. They came out and they knew if, if I lie, I won't get into trouble or, you know, whatever it is. They, they, they naturally sinned. You were born and your body had a natural instinct to sin. And it has certain cravings that either come from that sin nature or it's just stuff you trained it to do. You ever thought about that before? Like, I'll, I'll explain it like this. When I was a young man, I used to eat lots of fast food and that's all I really ate. And I would crave fast food. Like I would like, man, I, would, I, would, I just want this and this and this. And you, your body will eventually crave what you train it to crave. Other people like in the, like the fitness industry, like know this, like that if you train your body, your physical body will adapt to how you train it. This is why certain people train for marathons and they run 20 something miles or other people train to deadlift 500 pounds. 
Very different adaptations of what the body can do, but they both trained it to do a certain thing. You can train your body on your sleep patterns. You can train your body on your dietary plan. You can train it on anything that you want it to. And here's what you really want in your life. You want to be led by your spirit. You want your soul to be a servant to your spirit. And you want your body to be the slave. And just do what you tell it to do. But how many of you know that some of our worst moments in life is when we were a slave to the cravings of our body or we were just driven to get the needs of our soul met and so we started doing foolish or dumb or harmful things. And then we get to the other and we're like, why did I do that? Here, here's a scripture just to kind of show you what I'm talking about. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. This should give you this idea of spirit, soul, and body. The Bible says, this is Paul speaking, he says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That means God wants to help you, heal you, separate you, work in you, through and through, the whole thing. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's trying to get you all fixed, all healed, all sanctified, and get everything working together. Are y'all tracking so far? I know this. I'm just throwing a lot of information out before we even kind of get to where we're going. But here's what happens. We are spirit, soul, and body. And what we're going to talk about over these next few weeks is what's going on in your soul. Because like I said, you have toxins that you get in your body. But I've loved enough people, counseled enough people, helped enough people, talk and pray with you, you name it. Even my own little personal journey, I've got stuff in my soul that does not belong there. And it is God's desire to heal me. So that I can be sanctified through and through and experience God's best for my life. Now, you get those body toxins from food and water and air and product. Da, 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 da. You know where you get your soul toxins from? Let's unpack this real quick here. You get your soul toxins from some different places. Like one of the places that you get some soul toxins from is like a good, a good old-fashioned parent wound. And I'm not talking about a whooping. I'm not talking about when you got spanked because you, you know, shot the dog or whatever it was that you did. I'm talking about the people that have the ability to wound you the deepest are the people that you know that you should be able to count on at any point in time. They're the people that you have the greatest expectation for. They're the people that you think if anybody's supposed to love me and take care of me and help me and lift me up, it's, it's supposed to be those closest to me. It's my pa- This is why some of us men, we have a father wound that runs so deep because of what dad said or dad didn't do because dad bailed. or dad, And we carry these wounds. We carry the wounds of a parent who abandoned us. And then we carry these abandonment issues for the rest of our life. We have these, these parents that do certain things and all of a sudden we are reaping we're carrying these kind of almost generational curses you ever looked at your i don't know if you've ever done this before i watched like some of the things that i picked up from my dad and i realized that my grandfather did it to him and my dad did it to me and at some point man i gotta break this generational cycle so i don't keep passing down stuff because I got I to gotta break that at some point in time. And so the people close to you, they're your parents. They can wound you the deepest. Here's another one. Not only a parent wound, sometimes it's just a past failure. Like your own personal failure sometimes haunts you. Something that you did that you have such deep regret for. And all of a sudden that thing gets down deep in your soul. And you walk around with guilt in your soul. Here's another one. Damaging words. Like there's something about, and, and, and I, I, I'll, I'll prove it to you. If right now I sat down with you and we started saying, hey, can you remember a time where somebody just gave you like a real good zinger? 
somebody said something so hurtful, so harmful, and, and, and you would be like, bam, I remember when I was, I was eight years old, or when I was 12, or I was 18, or I was two, and they said, you're never going to amount to this, or you're going to do this, or you're going to have this, or whatever it was. You're always going to be this way, and I just, I, you can remember that stuff. If I said, hey, when was, what was the last two or three times somebody just said something really encouraging to you? But I don't even know. We don't store that stuff, do we? We don't. We ought to. We ought to write that stuff down. We ought to log it away. We ought to go read it once a week just to start our week off right. And remember all the encouraging things people ever did for us. But we don't. What do we carry with us? Your soul seems to have like this, um, this shielding system to encouragement sometimes. But bless God, you take some good damaging words. We'll hug that thing. We'll hold on to it. We'll nurse that thing. We'll carry that thing. We'll think about that thing. Those damaging words seem to stay with us. Here, here's another one. Any type of deep betrayal. Any, any time in your life where, man, I remember my best friend did this, or my girlfriend was this, or my spouse did this, and somebody, maybe it was a spiritual leader even, my pastor, I so believe in my pastor, and then he went and did this, and all of a sudden now, you live with these, like this fear. I remember this one gentleman that lived, his, his wife had gone out and done this and that and the other, and he the, the, wrecked the marriage, and he goes, I'll never, women are always, they're all this, and sometimes women are the other, like, every man is like this, and they're all this, and, and we get, we, why are we doing that? Because we carry these deep betrayals in our soul, and those are the toxins that last. Here's another one, any type of past abuse. Anytime somebody's abused us in some way, somebody took advantage of us, and so especially if we were young, and we didn't have the ability to know any better or to fend for ourselves. And no one came to our rescue. And that wound carries with us. Here's another one. Any type of present stress. If there's enough stress in your life, right? I know, I feel like this is the opposite of a Joel Osteen sermon right now, isn't it? <laughs> I've tried, he, this is so important. Because sometimes we, sometimes we bury stuff in our soul. And this is why it lingers, and this is why it lasts, and this is why when you go to a great counselor, you know what they have to do? They have to start digging stuff up. This is why you start crying. This is why they pull the tissue box out on the table. We're like, we're just going to dig it up. Because until you dig it up and put it on the table, we might not be able to heal it. It's like getting on the surgeon's table. If you don't get on the table, we can't open you up and we can't heal that thing. And so sometimes we got to go and say, man, what is the past abuse? What are those damaging words? What is the, the deep betrayal that I dealt with? What are my present stresses that are just wearing me out, that are causing me just to have restless, sleepless nights and get angry and get cranky and be short-tempered and all that? What is it? I'll finish on this one. Hidden sins. Sometimes they're just things in our life that we know we're doing. They're not godly. They're, they're, they're unrighteous things. And we, we just won't talk about them. We don't want anybody to know about them. We just push them to the side. And they're like cancer. They're eating us from the inside. Sometimes it's just a different kind of sin. Because how I many you know some sins, let me put it like this. Some sins are on the outside. Some sins are on the inside. Like if you lie, that's a thing that you did. Right? If you have pride in your heart, that's something that you are or that you have. Do you see the difference? Nobody says, I prided today. Right? No, you lied today. You can do a lie. You can't do a pride. It's something you har Like selfishness is something you harbor within you. Greed is something you harbor within you. Those are hidden type of sins that go deep. You don't do them. You end up becoming and living out those things. And these, yay, yeah. These are the hidden things in our soul. And this is why we end up getting to these points in our life. We're like, why did I do that? 
I don't want to be that person. You ever said that? I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to respond that way. I don't want to act that way. I don't want to treat my kids that way. I don't want to treat my spouse that way. I don't want to be that person anymore. Then we're going to have to take a deep cleanse. We're going to have to drink some spiritual beet juice. We're going to have to unearth and take a scalpel and begin to cut away. And it may, there's going to be times where it may not be fun, but I'm telling you, it will be so incredibly refreshing for you to get to the other side of that and feel free. Didn't you ever just, man, I just want to be free. I want to be whole. I want to be so full of faith and confident in God and freely being able to love people. I want to be so free. I want you to know that's what God wants for your life. And here's, here's what I believe are so important that, that really we need healing because we talked about spirit, soul, and body. We talked about our soul being made up of our mind, our emotions, and our will. For us to be free to live out God's abundant life, I'm just going to tell you right now, we need healing in our emotions. And I believe only God can do that. There's some stuff that went so deep that happened so long ago, but I've been carrying it for 20 years. I have an anniversary date for when that happened, and I think about it. Only God's going to be able to heal some of those things. And you know what? This is just my opinion, is that the healing of our souls comes from an overwhelming revelation of the love of God. For me personally, like when I began to like dig up and unearth some of my young man insecurities and some of my young man fears and concerns and all the things that I felt like this is not who I want to be and not who I want to become. You know what launched me? You know what the starting point is to really getting free and really getting healed? It's this like revelation. It's, and when I say revelation, I mean like it's an epiphany. It's an aha moment. It's, it's, if, if we were cartoon characters, light bulbs would be boom right over our head. That's what it, you ever had those moments where you had an epiphany where you're like, I never knew that. Oh my gosh. And I remember finally discovering, you know what? The love of God so overwhelms and so overshadows the past hurts of my life. I, I can get over this because you know what I learned about the love of God? I learned something that was so huge about the love of God. I learned that the love of God was unconditional. And, and, and that's, if you grew up in church, that's like a churchy phrase that we don't even use in normal everyday vernacular, but like God's love was unconditional and it wrecked me because I thought you had to be good for God to love you. Some of y'all are still confused, like, wait a minute, I don't know. God's love is unconditional. See, we grew up with parents and we needed to get good grades and we needed to do right. And sometimes it programmed us to think, well, if I do really good, you know, my parents will love me. Or if I act really good, my because every time I acted bad, mom flipped out. Every time I acted bad, dad threw things. You know, well, whatever your story is. And so when you begin to get programmed that way and all of a sudden you look at God through the lens of your dad or your lens of your parents, you're like, well, I've got to be good. So God's got to be mad because I have not been good. You ever felt that way before? And then I realized, whoa, 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 God's love is unconditional. This is what unconditioned means. It means that God's love is not based on your performance, and God's love is not based on your behavior. This is almost weird to think about a God that loves me so much and my performance doesn't factor in. What? My behavior, how good I've been this week, that doesn't factor in. God's love is so much bigger. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace just jumps over it and abounds even more. Like what? The grace of God is confusing because it doesn't work on a meritocracy. It doesn't, like, like if I get the grade, then I'm rewarded. Or if I, if I do good enough, then I get the right grade. Or if I act important, I, I get the position or I get the title. God's system is not a meritocracy. It's, it's, it's grace. It's different. What? 
It blew me away. Then I realized that God's love not only is it unconditional, like it's, it's incomparable. Because God's love is so big. Do you know that God's love gives you something that nothing else in the universe, no person, no, no accomplishment, nothing can give you? Like God's love is incomparable because God gave you life. No one else could give you life. Did you know that? Mama couldn't give you life. God gave mama life. She just passed it on. But she got it from somewhere. God gives life. God gives freedom. I want you to think about this. The only reason that you woke up today and picked out that outfit and put that on, which that's confusing to some of us, but you still, you picked that out and you put that on. You, you did that. You made choices. You made decisions. Like in the animal kingdom, these things are built on instinct. They're built on hardwired DNA and repetition. You're not like that. God gave you something so unique, and we can see it when we look at us compared to all the other species of the world. We're different. We have a, a soul. We have the, so God gives us life, and he gives us freedom. Then he gives us the gift of salvation. And this is what makes God's love so incomparable is this, is that have you ever gotten a gift and thought, this is the coolest gift I have ever gotten. Have you ever had that moment? You need to have that moment. Maybe you have to go back. Because like, I remember when I got my first Nintendo, I thought that, right? Oh my gosh. Remember Super Mario? That little Italian plumber? There was one, there was one pad on the left that would go up, down, left, right. And then there was two red buttons. It's like heaven had come down to 26 Primrose Lane. It was the greatest thing in the world. That little plumber changed my life as a kid. It was the, I was like, this is the coolest. I remember like a few years later, I got this awesome like BMX mongoose bike. I'm like, this is the coolest gift ever. I, you know, I, I, I did this to my son a couple years ago. I got him and he's like, this is the best. This, that's what you want. Like you want, you want, this is the coolest. You ever had somebody like, that is the nicest thing anyone has ever said. All of a sudden, like somebody gives you something or saying this, like that's the, I want you to know this. This is, this is how great God's love is so incomparable is that you can't look at any other gift and say like, you know what? That's better than Jesus. My, my mongoose bike, that's better than Jesus. Mario is better than Jesus. You can't, you can't do that. I'll tell you why. It's because Jesus is the greatest thing in the universe. Like when, when God gave himself to die, there was no other gift that could match it in weight and value. He gave his best. It's like playing the ultimate trump card that no one else can beat. It's like having a trump card that just says, I win, game over. Can you imagine how awesome that would be that in any card game, especially with those annoying family members that you just wish you could beat one time, that if you could just play that one, bam, Game over. It's the trump card. Jesus is the trump card. His love is uncomparable because Jesus was the greatest gift in the entire universe that you could ever give. And God gave it because he loved you. Like not only is God's love unconditional and uncomparable, God's love, let's just put it like this, God's love is perfect. Our love is not perfect. Did you know that? I know we like to think we really love people sometimes. Sometimes that's just a lot of infatuation and wine. But, but we, God's love God's love is perfect. And the reason why God's love is perfect is because you... Let me put it like this. God doesn't need you. I know that doesn't make you feel a lot better about yourself, but it'll make you feel better about God when I explain this. You don't actually bring a lot to the table. <laughs> God doesn't need you. God just desires you. What? Yeah, yeah, God doesn't need you. This is, this is not like God's in heaven, like, 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 and he's bored because he doesn't have a little brother, and so he makes a puppy. And you're the puppy because he was bored. 
That's not what God is. God is already perfect in and of himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he is completely fulfilled in a loving relationship with him. So he's completely perfect. So he doesn't need you. He just desires you. He doesn't need you. He just wants you. So then he creates you. Because see, here's where our love becomes imperfect. is because we enter into what we call debt-debtor relationships. This is where we have an expectation for another person. And when they don't meet those expectations, we're disappointed. And now they owe us. You follow me? This is why when you look at your spouse, you look at your kids, you look at your coworkers, you look at your neighbors, you look at whatever, then they do something wrong or they do something bad, and you're like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. You can't. Now you owe, and you enter into these debt-debtor relationships, and every human relationship is like that to a certain degree because we have need. God has no need. God has no need whatsoever, so you can't owe God because God doesn't need anything. Are you hearing me? You need but God doesn't need. And so his love is perfect. This is what happens. And this is where you want to go with your, your marriage relationship if you can. You want to get to a point where you don't, are, you're not always looking to your spouse because you need. You get your needs met from your relationship with God and then you freely give to your spouse. And if your spouse gets their needs met from God, they freely give back to you. That's what a beautiful marriage looks like. It's not two people that need each other. It's just two people that desire each other. Because then you don't owe me every time you fall short or make a mistake or burn the chicken or whatever it is. You didn't burn that chicken, baby. It was great. That is not a a Freudian slip. God doesn't need you. He only desires you. And you don't owe anything because he sent his son and Jesus paid it all. There is no debt. There is no debtor. And so he freely loves and freely gives in perfect. I'm telling you what. And when you realize that the love of God is so great for me individually and personally, that all of a sudden that's the starting point to me saying, wow, I am perfectly loved. And I can be perfectly whole in that love as I draw closer and closer to God. And the revelation, this Oh my God loves me beyond my mess, beyond my sin, beyond my past, beyond all my regrets. And God loves me beyond that because he just wants. I mean, this love of God begins the starting point of that healing of your soul. So let's keep moving because I'm going to run out of time. Um, I'll tell you what time it is, but they stole my clock. And I can't see the back. Okay, so what time is it? Oh my gosh, I got to go. So. So not only do we need healing for our souls, but we also need this. We need a renewed mind. We need a renewed mind, and only God's words can do that. So like, remember, your soul is made up of your mind, your your emotions, and your will. We need healing in our emotions, but you ever thought about your mind? You ever ask the question, why do I think that way? Why am I always so negative? Why am I always so critical? Why am I always so selfish? Why am I always so, why do I have these thoughts that dictate my life and behavior and what I do and how I respond to all this stuff? Because we have all kinds of weird thinking in our brain. You ever notice that? Like sometimes we're just critical. Sometimes we're fearful. Sometimes we're just the victim of everything. It's always everybody else's fault. Sometimes we're depressed. Sometimes we're, we're, we're just doubtful or worryful or whatever it is. And we have these thoughts that are there. And here's what I'm telling you is that everything's got to come together. You need God to heal your emotions, but you need your mind to be renewed by his words. I'll prove it to you. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I mean, don't, don't think like everybody else thinks. Actually be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is an overhaul process. As a matter of fact, the renewing of your mind, if you had to do this in practical terms, it's a renovation. Anybody ever done a renovation on your bathroom, your kitchen? God bless you people. They went through like a two-year renovation, and I think it's still going. But anyway, 
I just know that because we were doing small group in their house and nothing was ever, ever finished. But anyway, I think it's, it's, like, it's like 90% done now. You're almost, you're almost there. We're going to pray you over the hump. And so, but, but renovation process is where you rip out the old and then you put in the new. That's renovation, right? This is what he's saying here. He said, you need to be renewed. You need a renovation of your mind. You need to rip out some old and replace it with the new. And then, everybody say then. Meaning like there's some, there's some chain reaction. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. We'll get there in just a second. And by the way, it's good and pleasing and it's a perfect will. Like that's how good it's going to be. But to do that, not only do you need healing in your emotions, but you need to renew your mind. And here's the big thing I want to help you with today. Is that you have to. You, you ever thought, I just need to change my thinking. That's impossible just to begin to change your thinking. What you have to do is replace your thinking. Let me say that again. It's impossible to change your thinking. You have to replace your thinking. There's a, there's a difference there. Because you just think, well, I just need to do... No, no, no. What you need to do, the Bible teaches it this, like this. In Corinthians, Paul teaches it like this. He goes, you have thoughts. Anytime there's a thought, a thought that doesn't align with God or God's word, you need to capture it. Everybody say capture. Catch it, grab it, snag it, catch it. This is where most of us need to begin in life because most of the time we, we get to the end of that argument with our spouse. We're like, wow, I really let her have it. Wow, I really said some mean things to him. You know, like, no, 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 you got, you got to capture them before they actually get out the mouth gate. But what you want to do is like capture thoughts. Then when you capture it, you bring it to God and you say, now I need to replace it. What do you replace those thoughts with? With God's words, meaning scripture. Bible verse, God's words, God's thoughts, God's insight, God's information, God's revelation of what life should really be like. Because you can't just, I'm going to not think like that anymore. No, no, no. You have to replace it, meaning you have to take the old, capture it, throw it out, and then replace it immediately with what the right thought is supposed to be. Like for some of you that live in worry and you're always fearful, and you're like, why? Well, maybe I've got this, and maybe I've got, like some of you are like hypochondriacs, you're like always on WebMD trying to figure out what weird disease you have, and you're always worried about what you're going to get. And I'm telling you, you've got to capture that stuff and say, no, 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 that's not, that's not the type of thoughts that I I want to have. I'm not going to live in worry. As, as a matter of fact, the Bible says in Philippians to be anxious for nothing. Like, be worryful about nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, bring your request to God and let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, let it guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's a Bible verse, by the way. I'm not just making that up, although that would be cool if I did. I, I, like, that's brilliant. Yeah, Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago. So the idea is to capture worry, to bring it to God. Like, that's not the way I'm going to live life. That's not your abundant life. That's not the way you want me. Because when you live with worry and fear and doubt, it controls you, it grips you, and then it changes the future of your life. And so God's wanting you to figure out how do you renew your mind? You do it by changing your thoughts to be like God's thoughts. That's what the revelation of Scripture really is. It is the insight of God on life. So that's where we need to go. And then here, here's the cool part. He says, then you're going to be able to prove what that good and perfect and pleasing will of God is. Here's what I want you to know. When our emotions are healed and our mind is renewed, then it's easy to make right decisions. Remember we said that our soul is made up of our thoughts, our emotions, and our will, our ability to choose. When you get a, because I'm telling you, your, your, your soul is so driven to get these needs met. You have a need to be loved and a need to be respected and a need to be accepted and all these things. And when you don't get them through healthy means, your soul will do anything it takes to feel loved. 
to feel respected, to get that need met. And so then it drives you out of bounds and out of these moral boundaries or out of these godly ways to get these needs met simply because you have no healing in your soul and your mind is not renewed. And God's saying, no, 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 I want you to come to me. Let me, let me just wrap this up so I can kind of put a bow on it. I know I'm, I'm losing time here. Here's what we need, and we'll wrap it up like this. We need an overwhelming revelation of the love of God. It's so essential. It's the starting point to us being healed and whole in our emotions. That stuff that your mom put on you, that stuff your dad did to you, that stuff from your childhood, that stuff that carries with you, all those past, I'm telling you, you need healing. And it starts with the love of God. Number two is this, we need to renew our mind with the words of God. So thirdly, that we can align our decisions to the ways of God. This is the beginnings. This is this the starting point. This is not like, this is part one. We're just kicking open doors and kicking over cans and trying to figure out what the starting point is. But here's the big news I want to give you is that God has the ability to make you whole. God has the ability to heal your soul. This is so big. And there's an invitation. And this is the invitation I want to give you is that over these next few weeks, don't miss like, make it a point to get in here every week. Like, like, church is not something that should be optional on your calendar. It should be the standard that all of your calendar surrenders to. Like, your, everything should bend to the center point of your calendar, which should be Sunday morning where we gather and worship God and hear God's words so that we might live His best. It's the, it's the, it's the hub that everything else should revolve around. Get in here next week. This is week one. We're going to start kicking over some of these specific toxins and figuring out what does God say and how are we going to get over this and how can God heal me and how can I change my thoughts and how can I be free to live out God's best. And this is the invitation. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in light of this. This is the invitation. Jesus says these words. He says, come to me. Like it's a plea because he loves people. He loves you. It's a plea. He's like, just come. I know you got your doubts and you got your concerns and you got your issues and you, just come. All you who are weary and burdened, you know, in your soul, you're carrying this stuff. And when you come, I'm going to give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. His yoke was his teaching. Again, it was the, it was the, it was the, it was the revelation of God. It was the information of God. It was the insight of God. He goes, That's the, the yoke is the teaching that I'm going to give you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And then you will find rest for your souls. Does anybody want to be free today? Does anybody want to walk around and be able to freely love and freely give and freely engage in great relationship and freely walk in God's purpose and plan for your life and stop being weighed down by the guilt and the garbage and the toxins and the fears and the past and the wounds and all that crap? I'm just tired of it. This is why David said, please why are you so downcast, my weary soul? Last scripture, and I'll just throw it out to you. It says this. The Bible says, Psalms 147, verse 3, that God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Would you pray with me today? God, we want your help. We want your strength. We want your healing. We are in need of you, God. If we could figure this out on our own, we would have already done it. If we could have changed this thing, we would have already done it, God. We are in desperate need of you. God, help us. 
God, we pray, I pray over these great, wonderful people, God, if they're carrying some baggage, if they're carrying some past wounds and abuses and hurts and feel, God, I pray, God, let us walk into your love and let us step right into it and feel it and let your love so overwhelm us that healing starts to take place. God, I pray that it would be our kind of goal and mandate to go out of here and begin to change our thoughts with your words. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to meditate on it. We need to repeat it. We need to rehearse it, God. Let us put your words into our mind so that, God, we can walk out of this place and begin to live in your abundant life. God, we come today to find rest for our souls. We ask this in Jesus' incredible name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.